0: Live from the Variety Arts Theater in Los Angeles, The Golden Days of Christmas. Welcome to The Golden Days of Christmas, star-studded entertainment featuring live, in person, some of radio's great stars and programs. And Now, here's your host, Frank Brzee.
1: Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. Best wishes for the holiday season to all of you from the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service, its staff and management, and of course, from myself. We once again invite you to join us in sharing our happiness and joy as we present this 20th annual Golden Days of Christmas. Each December for the past two decades, we have presented some of radio's most famous personalities in person with onstage recreations of many of the popular programs of the past. And this Christmas is no exception. And what a lineup we have. Our stars include Les Tremaine from the First Nighter program, Janet Waldo from Meet Corliss Archer, Peter Leeds from the Bob Hope Show, Fran Allison from Klukle Fran and Ollie and the Breakfast Club, with our announcer, the voice of the Lux Radio Theater, John Milton Kennedy, and so on with our 20th anniversary Christmas program for the Armed Forces, ladies and gentlemen, John Milton Kennedy. Lux presents Hollywood.
0: (laughs) The Lux Radio Theater starring Les Tremaine and Fran Allison in the heartwarming story Blind Love. As our story opens, Daphne is in the living room of her 18th century English mansion. She's talking to her husband, Nigel.
2: Oh, Nigel, dear. I can't believe it. My life is over. Over, darling. I'm going senile. Senile. Do you hear? Where are you? Oh, oh, there you are. I'm going senile. Say, do you hear? (laughs) I'll never see our darling Binky grow up. (laughs) Oh, you dear little thing, how much I love (laughs) you. And then there's Cat-Cat. I shall see her again. (laughs) And we'll have to retain our attack dog, Brutus. (laughs) No, no, dear Brutus, you'll have to help me. There, there. Oh, how I love you. Dear Brutus. And then there's Butterfly, our dear maid. We'll have to take her out of the downstairs kitchen and put her in the upstairs nursery to be dear little Binky's companion.
3: Butterfly, take the baby upstairs straight away, will you? Oh, please, Mr. Take me Fred Butterfly, we'll put Sicily, the upstairs maid downstairs, and put Ivan, the front door butler upstairs. And then we'll put Vivian downstairs in the cellar polishing silver for the upstairs dining room. But oh, <laughs> well, what's gonna happen to
4: me? Where are you gonna put
3: me, Mr. Yeah, Tinkby? Well, don't you see, dear, that frees you for making soul food in the kitchen cellar. <laughs> oh.
4: Senile, <laughs> do you
3: hear? Yes, I hear. Darling Daphne, we, we'll think about it tomorrow, shall we? Meanwhile, let's go to the stable. And you ride Bluebeard, and I'll ride Camille. And we'll canter off into the sunset. <laughs> Here we are. Easy, Camille. I'm mounting you. Giddy up. <clears throat> You stop it, Camille. Stop it! You hear? what? Watch the wall. Watch the wall. Watch it! Oh, you beastly overgrown consumptive horse!
5: You
3: watch it! Oh, dear God! Where are you going? Oh no! 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 Oh! 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 Where are you, Daphne?
2: Here I am, darling. Near the petunia patch.
3: Oh, oh dear God, Daphne! I think I'm going senile. I, I, I say, where's my dog?
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> where's my cat?
5: <coughs> where's
3: the baby? Where, where? <coughs> Oh, you dear, dear Binky. <laughs> Daphne, I think I'm Sheena.
2: Oh, darling, how marvelous. How marvelous. We'll be set out together at the same time.
3: <laughs> oh, <dear.
5: laughs>
3: now that's what I call togetherness. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Over the years, sound effects became more realistic. Later on came the real sound effects men. And during the Second World War, sound men were replaced by sound women. Of course, today it would be sound person. Here is one of the best-remembered radio programs.
3: horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty pile of silver, the Lone Ranger. Let's rein up here, Tonto. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Easy, <laughs> Silver. All right, Mask Man. Before we dismount, we want to say something.
3: What is it, Tonto?
1: Look, in the distance, smoke. How sang goes? How?
3: How? Where, where, where there's smoke, there's... Fire? We'll have to try to put it out. How? How? No, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> if only a big wind would
5: come along.
1: Hmm. <laughs> big wind come along, Kimosavi. But it's not putting fire out, it's fanning fire. Fire getting bigger.
3: Yes, Uncle. If we could... Wait. Looks like rain. Maybe that'll put the fire out.
1: Mm. Rain no good. Fire come closer. What we do now, Lone Ranger?
3: Get the hell out of here as fast as we can.
5: Ohio <laughs> Silver! Away!
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Tartar's Tar Gum now bring you your favorite quiz program. Yes, Tartar's gum is made from pure tar. Chew a pack today and see if you, too, don't have a breath like Highway 66. (laughs) And now here is your genial quiz master, I.J. the Metal Fox.
3: Thank you. May I introduce my assistant, Mr. Jonathan Stanton in the left orchestra? Thank you, Doctor. Mr. Daniel Trumbull in the rear orchestra? Uh, Mr. Daniel Trumbull in the rear orchestra (laughs) Mr. Trumbull, you should be in the orchestra Yes, I know, doctor, but a lady has me in the balcony (laughs) Well, in that case, I will leave you alone Oh, thank you, doctor Enjoy, enjoy (laughs) Now may we have our first contestant, Mr. Jonathan Stanton in the left orchestra. I have a lady, Doctor. Ah, 20 silver dollars to that lady if she can answer this musical question. In the second movement of Beethoven's Sonata in A minor for piano and viola, what is the first note on the third page?
4: Ah, would you repeat the question?
3: Absolutely not.
4: Uh, Well, would you at least give me a hint?
3: Of course. His first name is Ludwig.
4: Um, can you give me another hint?
3: Very well. When you're at the seashore, what is it that you see?
4: Um, uh, C. The first note on the third page is C.
3: Oh, I'm sorry, but I think you'll find the first note is F sharp.
4: But you gave me a hint and you kept Seashore
3: That was a hint for you to go to the seashore You look pale But but a box of tart gum to that young lady Now, Mr. Stanton, in the left orchestra
1: I have another lady,
3: Doctor Twelve silver dollars to that lady If she can answer this question What two presidents had the same name? Roosevelt Oh, I'm sorry, but I asked you for two presidents And you gave me only one
2: well,
3: i met Theodore and Franklin. Oh, I'm sorry, but Theodore and Franklin are not the same name. But a box of delicious tarts comes with Adley. And now, 32 silver dollars to any gentleman if he can give me the last line of this famous poem. And uh, no coaching, please. Gerben, Agwin, Zane, Greer, Dunk, Eben, Zin, Boy. Boy. Blank, 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 blank. Now, what was the last line? And no coaching, please.
1: Well, this is just a guess, but is it Ching, Vachingong and Gai
5: Gazontz?
3: Well, how did you know that poem?
1: My grandmother told me.
3: I said no coaching. Not even your grandmother.
4: (laughs) I have another contestant, Doctor.
3: (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I have no more silver dollars to offer.
2: Oh, come on, Doc. I'll take anything. Old clothes, burnt-out bulbs, nifty magazines, anything.
3: Well, I have a right-wrong category. I will give you a statement, and you tell me whether it's right or wrong. Ready? Right. Wrong. (laughs) The next question. The name of the man who invented the airplane was right. Right? Wrong. Wrong. It was right. But, Doc? Right or wrong, the past tense of ring is wrong. Wrong. No, it's rang. You're wrong. This is a swindle. Right or wrong, the opposite of right is wrong. Right. I said the opposite of right is wrong, and you said right, but that's wrong. It's not right because wrong is right. When I say right or wrong, then it cannot be right if it's wrong. Right? Right. Oh, well, I'm sorry, but if you look it up, then you'll make sure that we're both wrong. but a box of Tata's tar gum goes to that lady, and good night.
0: And now it's time for Duffy's Tavern, starring Peter Leeds as Archie the Manager and Fran Allison as Miss Duffy. Hello, Duffy's
3: tavern, when the elite meets the eat, Archie, the manager, speaking. Oh, Duffy ain't here. Oh, it's you. Hello, Duffy. Oh, Duffy, here comes your poker tool daughter. I'll call you back.
2: Gee, Archie, you're getting so educated, using such big words about me.
3: Oh, it ain't nothing. The word fits the shape.
2: Well, gee, thanks. Uh, by the way, did you see my Dostoevsky? Your wife... My Dostoevsky.
3: Oh, is it animal, mineral, or vegetable?
2: Archie, you're getting illiterate again. It's a book. Who wrote it? I don't know. Some Russian writer. I
3: know. That fellow who wrote Sex is the Mother of Invention.
2: Archie talking like that is not cool. Anyway, I think his name was Sigmund Freud.
3: So how come if I'm not cool, you're the one who remembers that pervert's name?
2: I remember everybody's names. I guess you never heard of Shakespeare's books.
3: Oh, that phony, he never even wrote them.
2: Well, who did?
3: Sir Francis Bacon. He wrote every word that Shakespeare ever wrote.
2: You mean to stand there and tell me that the greatest writer whatever wrote didn't?
3: Yes, he was nothing but a plagiarizer.
2: Archie, how can you say such a thing about a man who's too dead to defend himself?
3: Well, dig him up and I'll say it to his face.
2: Wait a minute. Did yours write... Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Deny thy father and refuse thy name, or if thou wilt not, be but sworn, my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet.
3: Oh, boy, 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 that Juliet was a mean broad. (laughs) Imagine saying that about Romeo's folks.
2: That's poetry, Archie.
3: Wow, those poets are even more degenerate than those Sigmund Freud's.
2: Well, Archie, is that the same Shakespeare as yours?
3: I don't know if mine would talk so dirty.
2: What was the first name of
3: yours? William.
2: Yeah, that's the one. All right.
3: Of course, William Randolph Shakespeare, the bard of Stratford Avenue. Besides, when you talk about well-known people like Shakespeare, you don't have to mention first names. Everybody knows who, who you mean.
2: I beg to differ with you.
3: In what respect?
2: How about Washington?
3: Miss Duffy, if I went up to a strange man and I said Washington, I'm sure the guy would know that I meant George.
2: Not if he was selling train tickets.
3: If I was buying train tickets, I would say Washington, D.C.
2: Then why don't you say Shakespeare,
3: D.C.? Because I ain't going to Shakespeare, D.C.
2: I don't know why I stand here and talk to you. You just don't illuminate my mind. Oh, you
3: neither. You neither. Likewise, I'm sure. Uh, By the way, Miss Duffy, the fleet's in, so why don't you go and illuminate your mind with them?
2: Well, don't worry, I will. They understand someone who is illuminated and amphibious at the same time.
3: You know, I knew the Navy was good for something.
1: When the Thin Man' stories came to radio, they already had had great success as best-selling books and hit MGM motion pictures. But it was on the radio that the Thin Man reached its biggest audience. And here's the star of that program recreating his famous role: "The Adventures of the Thin Man," starring Les Tremaine. <laughs> New
3: Adventures of the Thin Man with Nick and Nora Charles, the happiest, merriest married couple in radio.
0: We find our hero, Nick Charles, just ready for bed. As always, his beautiful wife, Nora, is at his side. Well, Nora...
3: We sure wrapped up the case of the dry martinis.
4: Oh, Nicky, darling. I just knew you could take care of a whole case of dry martinis all by your little old self. <laughs> now come to bed, Nicky, darling.
3: Yeah, in, in one minute. First, I've got to put Asta out.
4: Oh, Nick, it's too hot. Let's let him stay in just for tonight, hmm?
3: No, Okay. As long as he doesn't bother Mm us. Last time he was in the house, he kept jumping up and shaking the bed all night.
4: Oh, Nicky, I don't think it was the dog shaking the bed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a couple of things about this case I don't quite understand.
3: Oh? What are they, Nora?
4: Well, what was it that Chandler confessed to, dear?
3: Oh, that he killed Jerry Gassman because Jerry invested in the nightclub and Jerry caught Chandler cheating on the payoff.
4: Did he kill the girl Lisa, too?
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Lisa found out too much, and he had to get rid of her. Uh, Don't hog the bed, dear.
4: Uh, Was it Chandler who pushed Bob out of the window? Mm Mm-hmm.
3: He read about Bob coming back, and he followed him. He knew that if he killed Bob, the frame-up against Barbara would be just about perfect.
4: Mm. Bobby is a very cute boy.
3: And then he, yes, yes, isn't he?
4: So young, and handsome, and youthful.
3: Hmm. Yeah. You mean he isn't old like me?
4: I didn't say that.
3: Yeah, but I know what you're thinking. Can I help it if I'm getting old? It happens to everyone, even babies. <laughs> <laughs> What's so darn funny?
4: Oh, you, you silly goose, getting sore about getting
3: old. No, well, You're not getting younger either, dear.
4: That's a nasty lie.
3: <laughs>
4: I think you're a stinker for laughing.
3: Oh, I- I'm sorry, baby.
4: I'm sorry, too. I didn't mean to tease you. But, Nicky, what are you going to do about it?
3: Well, darling, after all, what's youth compared to experience? Mm -hmm. Now, if Bob kissed you, he'd probably do it like this. Mm. But here, if I do it, not me, I'd do it like this.
4: I'll buy that. There's nothing like experience. (laughs) Let's turn out the lights. Good night, Nikki darling.
3: Good night, Nora
5: dear.
1: During the early years of television, a program went on the air on WBKB in Chicago that was destined to take television by storm. The program was Kluk, Fran, and Ollie, and for over a quarter of a century, these three kept us all entertained. Fran Allison, the female star of that program, was also a radio personality, and every week for many years, we could tune in and hear her as Aunt Fanny on Don McNeil's Breakfast Club. Our golden days of Christmas is proud to present Fran Allison as Aunt Fanny. Well, I'll
2: tell you, uh, Mr. Breezy, you don't know how happy I am to be here. I wouldn't have missed this for the world. Uh, Well, you know, us elderly don't get all that many invitations i don't mean to say that we don't get out some uh, we have the little bus trips you know that we take just here last month we spent a rousing day at forest lawn
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> i thought afterwards it hardly paid some of us to come home <laughs> and then uh, i think it was last tuesday i believe it was we went over to the library and uh, we had a lovely afternoon there with uh, um, Penelope Purdy. Uh, she's a librarian there. <laughs> she read us the lovely poems of Ella Wheeler Wilcox. <laughs> lovely afternoon. And then we went over to a cookery school that they had there. Uh, the subject was, there's some lady there that does all that uh-huh. stuff. And uh, uh, she uh, uh, had her subject was, let me see, 52 interesting ways
1: to fix shrimp. Oh, isn't that, nice? isn't that nice? What are they? The 52 ways to fix oh, shrimp. Oh, shrimp never,
2: never, they weren't all that interesting, I'll <laughs> tell you that. And then we went over to a health spa that they had there, and it was 15 timely tips how to hang in there. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where there is, but until i Find out, I'm not going to do any hanging. But when I got your invitation, gosh, I said to myself, I, I feel just like Alf Delacredell. Did you ever know him? No, I didn't know him. Lovely man. Uh, he married the oldest Smeltzer girl.
1: He did. Yeah.
2: And uh, they lived over to Grundy Center. Oh, yeah. And uh, from the very first time they were married, she had notorious bad health. Is that right? Oh, awful. Yes. She was uh, gives to uh, sinking spells. Uh, you could uh, look her right straight in the eye, and the next thing you knew, she's flat on the floor, flatter than her flutter. But she'd come up and out of it again, you know. They had to have a hired girl all the time. And uh, after they lived on this lovely farm, and he'd be out there in the, one of the farthest fields, and the hired girl would say, come quick, she's been took down. And he'd drop whatever he was doing and leg it back off to the the house, you know. And he'd get there, and, Jing, she'd be up and out of it and good as new, you know. Well, this went on for 40 years.
1: Forty years.
2: And uh, one time, uh, the hired girl come out. She says, come quick. She's at it again. And so he legged it off there. And he come in the kitchen door, and there she was on the kitchen floor. On the floor. Yep. And he looked at her real good. And he could see that she'd finally made a go of it. She <laughs> breathed her last right there. And he looked down at her and he looked up at the hired girl and she says, well, this is more like it. So that's, that's how I felt. I'm gonna go and get a good seat.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Fran Allison is
0: And now it's time for a date with Judy. As we look in on the foster household, Judy is talking to her girlfriend, Mitzi.
4: Look at my toes, Judy. Aren't they beautiful? That's that new polish called Midnight Moon Glow. Oh! Oh, How can you talk about
6: nail polish when my heart is Just thought I'd mention it. Anyway, Judy, so what happened last night? Oh, I guess I'll just have to be more philosophical. But life is sure full of despair and whimsy. Uh, uh, What do you mean? Well, well, you know how crazy I've been about Slade Williams? Yeah. Well... Last night at Tracy's party, he shows up without a date. I was so beside myself, so I moved fast and he moved faster. And and imagine what fate is when we played spin the bottle. We got to kiss. Whoa! Where'd you do it?
4: In Tracy's bathroom. What was it like, Judy? Oh, pure hell.
6: And you're so crazy about him Well, it was because of what happened Well,
5: what happened? Oh. Mrs. Spence is killing oh. me Well, he grabbed me yeah? Well,
6: not tenderly like Robert Redford But, no. but more like Pee-wee Herman <laughs> Then he pressed his mouth on my mouth Yeah And, and then in hot passion We kissed and we killed oh. With your mouth open? Yeah Well, what was so hard? about it well when we parted our braces caught and i felt like a blowfish caught in a wire net (laughs) it was so humiliating mitzi i thought i was just gonna die so i guess that's the end of my sex life for now well it sounds so catastrophic but at least you won't get pregnant. Yeah. I guess there's a bright side to everything, huh? Oh, Mitzi. I'm so glad that you're my most
4: bosom girlfriend. Oh, true. It takes one to know one. It's times like these that test friendship, right? right. <laughs>
0: Do you remember the Jack Pearl Show? It was one of the popular comedy variety shows of the early radio days. Jack Pearl was known as Baron Munchausen, and his great straight man was the incomparable Charlie.
3: Hello, Baron. Oh, it is good to see. Ah, Charlie, Charlie, my friend. Where have you been lately? Charlie, I was all over the world. Is that so? Yes, I was, I was, I was. Ah, let me see, I was in Africa. Africa? And then I was in London and Paris and Rome. I was in Rome, then I went to Venice, and after I went to Venice... No, 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 no. wait Wait. wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, Venice. Yes, 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 I was in Venice. No, Venice, then, then. Last month, when, then, then, then. Baron, Baron, wait a minute. Tell me, did you see the gondolas while you were there? (laughs) I I, I, I called on them. They weren't home. (laughs) No, no, they wasn't there. You see, I was over. Now, look, uh, look, look. I I, I tell you, you're the same old Baron. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Now, let's get back to Africa, okay? Did you run across any wild animals? (laughs) Did I did I run across any animal? <laughs> I, I ran across a bunch of hippopaka poopo pusses. Uh wait, 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 wait. Would would you say that again? Hippopaka. No, 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 no. Hippopotamus. Oh, well, I was going to catch one of these hippopotamus Hippopotamus. Yeah, but what you said and. Oh boy, ran over you see. Wait 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 wait, an old boy? Yeah. What in the world is an old boy? Oh well, you see, that's a big bird. It's a bird what eats nothing but garlic, onions, Limburger seeds, and when it flies by you, oh boy. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I suppose this bird is now extinct. Oh yeah, ooh, it's me. <laughs> No, I said. I suppose this bird is now extinct. it oh, Always did, always did. <laughs> <laughs> you see, was Baron. Yeah. Don't you think it's about time you stop these adventures and settle down? Oh yes, yes. Well, I, 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 I did settle down. I just settled down. Where? Well, I did on my farm. Oh, I didn't know you had a farm. Oh. Let me, let me give you an idea how my farm is. My nephew Gustav went out to milk the cows on the other side of the farm. That's when he was 12 years old. 12 years old? Yep, and when he came back he had a wife and three children. (laughs) (laughs) Who taught you to be a farmer? Who taught? My cousin Hugo. But I thought your cousin Hugo was a musician. He was, he was. You know, he, he has over 200 violins in that little... Oh, I hate of... to keep correcting you, but not violins. Violins. Vi. Vi. Because he liked them, vi. <laughs> he has 200 vi's, and he's got 20 hobos. Hobos. Bums he got in that band. <laughs> oh, no, Baron. That is unbelievable. That is preposterous. Was you there, Charlie? <laughs>
0: Meet Corliss Archer was based on F. Hugh Herbert's stage play, Kiss and Tell. It came to us during the halcyon days of radio and continued in the top spot for a dozen years. The star of that program is one of our stars on this program. Here is Janet Waldo in her original role as we meet a Corliss Archer. <laughs>
7: Yeah, it's me, Corliss. Could I talk to you for one little minute? Sure. I have a big problem, and it's got me super-duper mixed up, and I don't know how to deal with it, and I'm confused, and I don't even know how to say it.
4: Oh, Dexter, you can say anything to me. What is it, Dexter?
7: Gee, Corliss, you're the most understanding girl a guy ever knew.
4: Oh, come on, Dex, you can confide in me. What can I do for you?
7: Oh, there's a lot you can do for me <laughs> Oh, Dexter, what is it? Well, you see, um... you Yes, s- Dexter? Well, it's this way Which way, Dexter? Well, you see, I've just joined the Monument Masters of America Sounds uh, impressive What do they do? Well, they conserve monuments of historical figures all over the country, like Mount Rushmore, where the figures of Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt are sculptured in granite.
4: And you want me to be next? Dexter Franklin, how could you? That's the meanest thing I ever heard. I'm too young to be put in granite.
7: Uh Oh, Corliss, I'm not asking you to do that. I just want you to go to the initiation dance with me for... The
4: Monument
7: Masters of America. Yeah. Oh, Dexter, I'm very flattered you asked me. Gee, Corliss, nobody makes me feel like you do. How's that? Like I tingle all over. Oh, Dexter, you
4: make me feel good, too. (laughs) You know what I think, Corliss? No, yes, I mean what?
7: I think my glands are growing up. Oh dear,
4: maybe you ought to discuss this with Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt.
7: Do they have glands like mine?
4: I guess Washington wasn't called the father of his country for nothing.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, when Peter, Janet, Frank, and I were actors in early radio, we sometimes had to double three parts? Well, that meant we each had to play three distinctly
7: different voices. Oh, not me. I was Little Beaver, and all I said was, You betcha, Red Rider, three different ways.
4: Oh, Frank, I heard you say, Follow that horse.
7: That's right, but I still said it the same way. <laughs> And
3: remember, later on, when the soap operas came into vogue, we found a whole new audience. Uh, by the way, Les, weren't you the original leading man on the romance of Helen Trent? Oh, that, and there were a few others I was on, like Big Sister, Betty and Bob, Like and Be Beautiful, Second Mrs. Oh, Burton, Daddy, Conceded, Conceded, Conceded. <laughs> Listen,
4: why don't we show the audience what a radio soap opera might have been like during those days,
5: huh? <laughs>
0: Yesterday, when we left Search for Happiness, Nikki had made a very important decision, one that would alter her life decisively, she thought. And Ashley was disappointed again in her search for the past. And now, today's episode of Search for Happiness.
4: Oh, I'm so glad you're home from Sri Lanka, Mother. Any news about Floyd Stacy? No news, daughter,
2: to think I've dedicated half my life to finding him. Karachi, Kathmandu, Kurdistan, Kuala Lumpur. Though I've looked at
4: thousands of faces, they're all faceless people to me. But mother, after he fell off the oil rig and was burned, he had facial reconstruction done. Maybe that's the reason you can't recognize him. Oh, don't
2: be silly, darling. I'd recognize your father any place.
4: Well, I'm so sorry. I. him to be at my wedding. Your wedding, dear? When is it? Tomorrow. Oh,
5: tomorrow. (laughs) Oh
4: dear, I don't have a thing to wear don't worry. The couturier is coming to make you a new dress in half an hour. Well, how thoughtful, dear. It's nothing. I have so much making up to do. When I eloped with Crane when I was 14 and gave you your first grandchild at 14, I knew you'd never forgive me, but you did. Then, when dear little Robin fell in the swimming pool and was drowned, I, too, went off the deep end. When I found out that I wasn't really married to Crane after all, and then I ran off with Stanislaus and lived on the octopus in that dreary Greek island Yes, that was a dreary thing to do But you were so understanding when I came back And started writing to Eric who was in prison After he murdered his stepfather with a hockey puck You know, I really felt
2: badly about that Eric's stepfather was the best backgammon partner I ever had
4: But then, when Eric married Lulu He told me at school she was a lesbian Ooh. The shock was so great that I ran away from Bryn Mawr and went to Stuttgart and danced in that degenerate ball. Yes,
2: daughter, that was so declass.
4: But now, Mommy dearest, I've grown up. I'm 19 now and a woman of consequence.
2: And your dear father would be so proud of you.
4: And now I am
2: marrying
4: Denton Somerville.
2: Did you say Denton Somerville? Of the Somervilles of Latouche Bay?
4: The same.
2: Oh, my God. You act surprised, Mommy dearest. I didn't want to tell you this. Now I have to. Denton Somerville is your half-brother.
4: <laughs> oh, my God. I shan't ever be able to have children. Now, how did this come about, Mommy dearest? Well,
2: when I was 14... <laughs> yes? I was at Latouche Bay for the summer as a junior nanny for the Reginald Lafitte family. And I met Travis Somerville, who was the most handsome boy in his white-on-white suit. So I succumbed, and then came Denton. Yes? Naturally, the family made me give him up. For a long time I had Reza, the nurse, send me his report cards, but then Reza married King Tupper of Mount grief oh. and was disposed to Upper Monrovia and never was heard from again.
7: <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I say, uh, Mr. Denton Somerville has arrived. He
3: says, He says he's marrying Miss Nicky tomorrow. But I've never seen him before, so I told him to go around the back entrance.
4: Oh, but Jameson, you can't do that to Denton, Somerville. What would the folks at Truce Bay think? Don't fret.
1: It's for the best, Nicky. I heard that. But no one, nothing, nobody will keep me from marrying my own true love.
4: Oh, Denton, I'm so proud of you. You rejected rejection.
7: Oh, Nicky, I'm used to rejection. My own father wouldn't let me sit at the table and use the gold silverware. My mother rejected me at birth. Oh, I didn't reject you, I
2: loved you. But the summer bills of their money were too influential. And what
7: could a 14-year-old do against a combination like that? You mean,
1: oh, my God, my mother! Son! Brother! Sister!
4: Future son! (laughs) I mean, I mean son-in-law!
5: I mean, I mean, oh, Oh my my God! (laughs)
0: Tune in tomorrow to know what Jameson means and whether Ashley will let her daughter Nikki marry her half-brother Denton and whether Jameson the butler has been Ashley's secret lover these many years since her husband Floyd Tacey disappeared in the jungles of Malaysia on Search for Happiness. Ladies and gentlemen, I know many of you remember my friend Irma and Marie Wilson with her gentle, yet sexy, naive sense of wonderment and humor. The program was so popular on radio that it moved into television and even became a hit motion picture. On this program we have our Irma in the person of Bobby Brazil, And Bobby, strangely enough, has so many of the qualities that Marie Wilson had that we feel that my friend Irma is once again in good hands. So now, let's join Irma. At this moment, she is with her boyfriend, Al, trying to straighten out an age-long problem.
6: Al, I have followed you through thick and thin, and I've been engaged to you for nine years. And my mother wants to know when you're going to marry me.
3: Oh, Irma, let's make it an even dozen. And then you'll hit the jackpot.
6: No, Al, I'm serious Because if you're not serious, a girl like me has to figure out her future Because if I can't figure it out, who will, right?
3: I'm uh, a... That is a complicated question One that I'm afraid I have no answer to
6: See, Al, I asked you one simple question and you can't even answer it So how can I ask you to marry me, right?
3: Right Now you know I don't know the answer.
6: Well, Al, that's good enough for me. I've made up my mind. You and I are through. Through? You and me are through? Chicken, what do you mean? I'll try to explain. Remember that time when you took me to that picture Tarzan and the apes And we saw that lady ape Left her ape husband Uh And was carried off By the gorilla Uh And lived happily Ever afterwards
5: Yeah, 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 yeah
6: Well, Al I'm going to find Another gorilla
3: Oh, Irma Irma, you can't do that to me
6: I'm sorry, Al I don't want to hurt you But a gorilla in the bush Is better than No gorilla at all
3: Irma, it behooves me To tell you this But you are not no gorilla's type.
6: Al, how can you put me down like that? I'm
3: not putting you down, sugar, it's just a fact of life. You see, you are now used to what I got you used to, the niceties of life.
6: Oh, and what's that?
3: Well, when the gorilla will take you to this abode, kiss Mm -hmm. you and hug you, make passionate love Ah, to you. Ah,
6: yes, yes. And
3: when it's over, will he write, phone, send flowers to you?
6: of course not, Al. Everyone knows gorillas can't write, phone, or send flowers. All they can do is what Tarzan taught them to do.
3: You see, how would it look when he when he picked you up at the office and yelled?
6: Oh, I guess it would be confusing. Okay, Al, I'll go with you a little while longer. But when I get my first gray hair. It's over.
3: See, sugar? I knew you was an understanding girl.
0: (laughs) Lipton Tea and Lipton Soups presents Inner Sanctum Mysteries.
3: Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is Raymond, your host, to welcome you in through the squeaking door for another terrifying tale of horror. Come in. Won't you sit down? I hope you'll forgive me if I don't get up, but I'm terribly tired. I spent last night with a friend who's a book collector, specializes in bestsellers, he certainly showed me some interesting ones. In fact, he tried to bury me in one. Because all the very best sellers have corpses in them. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> and now, our inner sanctum mystery for tonight. We find John and Marcia seated together in the living room of their palatial mansion in upstate New York. Marcia speaks.
1: John. Marcia. John. Marcia.
3: Tune in next week for another... (laughs) ...inner sanctum mystery. Brought to you by Exlax, America's fastest moving product. (laughs) Good night, (laughs) pleasant
5: dreams.
3: (laughs) The story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. My name is Friday. I'm a cop. I was working the day watch out of robbery when I got a call from an Acme school bell company. There'd been a robbery.
1: There's been a robbery?
3: Yes, sir. What was it? How's that? I said, what was stolen, sir?
1: I run a school bell company. Never had any trouble before. Can't understand it. Just make bells. Never had any trouble.
3: Sir? Hmm? What was stolen?
1: My clappers.
3: Your clappers?
1: Yeah, those things inside a bell that make them clang.
3: The clangers?
1: That's right. But we call them clappers in the business.
3: A clapper caper. What's that? Uh, nothing, sir. Now can I have the facts? What kind of clappers were stolen on this caper?
1: They were copper clappers.
3: And where were they kept?
1: In the closet.
3: Uh-huh. You have any ideas who might have taken the copper clappers from the closet?
1: Well, just one. When I fired a man, he swore he'd get even.
3: What was his name?
1: Claude Cooper. You think That's the, right, that's right. I think Claude Cooper copped my copper clappers.
3: You know where this Claude Cooper is from?
1: Yeah. Cleveland. <laughs> that figures. What makes it worse, they were clean. Clean copper clappers. <laughs> that's
3: right. Why do you think that Cleveland's Claude Cooper would cop your clean copper clappers kept in your closet?
1: Only one reason. What's that? He's a kleptomaniac. <laughs>
3: Who first discovered the copper clappers were
1: copped? My cleaning woman, Clara Clifford.
3: (laughs) That figures. Now, let me see if I got the facts straight here. Cleaning woman, Clara Clifford, discovered your clean copper clappers kept in the closet were copped by Claude Cooper, the kleptomaniac from Cleveland. Now, is that about it?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. One other thing. What's that? If I ever catch kleptomaniac Claude Cooper from Cleveland Who copped my clean copper clappers that were left in the closet Yes I'll clobber him (laughs) And now from a past Christmas show Here is Bill Baldwin introducing Bing Crosby
3: Frank, it's just time to say thank you, and I always look forward to this annual Christmas get-together.
1: You know, it's nice to be reminded of the Christmas season, especially by so many famous shows and songs.
3: But there's one star that will be missed, especially at Christmas time. His songs have meant home and family to all of us, no matter where we are throughout the world. And no Christmas would be complete without a song from Bing Crosby. Those stars in the kids' eyes reflect the same light in fathers, mothers, grandfathers, grandmothers, everybody. I believe the precious joy that is Christmas is our greatest treasure. So now would you join me now, everybody, in this best-known of all Christmas songs? Silent night, oh. mm Left to say, except of course, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas and good night. Happy Holiday! Happy Holiday! While the merry bells keep ringing, may your every
5: wish come true. Happy Holiday!
1: This is Frank Rizzi again. I want to add my thanks to the wonderful performers who helped make this program possible. They join me in wishing all of you a very Merry Christmas from the Armed Forces Radio Networks around the world. It's been a pleasure to share this Christmas 1987 with you. May the coming new year bring you all the success and happiness you deserve. And may each one of us be granted the wisdom to share a world of peace and love.
0: This 20th annual Golden Days of Christmas originated live from Milt Larson's Variety Arts Theater in Los Angeles, California. Our stars included Les Tremaine, Janet Waldo, Peter Leeds, Fran Allison, and Bobby Brazil. Special material by Sandra Gould with additional script by John Jensen. Engineering by Marty Halperin. Special thanks to the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Commercial references on this program were for entertainment and are not endorsed by the Department of Defense. The Golden Days of Christmas is a copyrighted program. This is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, speaking for the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.